Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. It is the 22nd of October. I am Scott Prather, as he does each Thursday, host of the Morning Lock-In, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Norman Locke joins me now, and um, we got a special guest coming up shortly, Andrew Lopez, ESPN beat writer covering the New Orleans Pelicans, a friend of mine. A guy that, uh, along with Woj, was the one to break the story yesterday when the agreement with Stan Van Gundy and the Pelicans became official. Got a lot of thoughts on that. Get a little bit into some World Series talk later on in the show. Obviously, some NFL talk. And, uh, and of course, we're going to uh, have to remind, you know, Norman about uh, what unfolded there on, uh, on Monday night. So, with all of that, he is not in studio this morning. He is, uh, we'll, we'll just call it parts unknown, but... Through the great, um, you know, through through the great miracle of technology, he joins us this morning via an app. Good morning, Norman. Whoa, what's up, Scott? You sound you sound you know pretty upbeat for a guy whose favorite football team is atrocious. Yeah, I mean, I didn't pick the Cowboys to win, so I mean, I I didn't go into that game with high hopes. So I mean, I don't know what people expected me to. To be down on, I, I didn't pick them to win, so well, yeah, but why, I'm pretty but okay. Not picking them. I mean, there's times where I don't pick the Saints to win. I'm still sad when they lose. Yeah, but that's because, you know, the last, what, four seasons, y'all have been Super Bowl or bust. And I can't say it's been the same for us, uh, especially this season, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay. I told you I was playing with the house money. If we can go – uh, run the table and make it to the playoffs, or we could get a top ten draft pick. Either way, I'm still smiling. I tell you what, whoever finishes, I mean, if it, 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 it's the NFC East and the Jets, that's like you know, the, the difference between whoever wins the NFC East, it's like if they win it by a half a game, you know, they'll they'll probably pick twentieth, or at this point, shoot, now you got two more teams, so they'll pick what seventeenth. Now it'll be a little different this year with playoffs. Uh, so they'd pick 18th, but then the team that like you know is like right behind them, half a game behind them, might pick like third in the draft. That's how bad it is this year for the NFC East. Yeah, and that's you know that's why it's like I'm kind of okay because it's like you know no, you're not. if you're looking at the glass <laughs> half full, you can't. You know what I'm saying? You look at the glass. You gotta look at the glass half full. We desperately need to upgrade on the defensive side of the football, and we need to replenish the offensive line. And, you know, um, I know you're going to ask me about Mike McCarthy, but, I, you know, like I said, he started the season with yeah! his left tackle and his right tackle. Okay. And then now he's playing the rest of the season without his starting quarterback. So I can't really fault him for anything that's that's going on. Now, the defensive side of the football, man, have at it. Every, somebody has to either get punched in the face or fired. Somebody's uh, are benched. Like one of the three has to happen. Norman Locke is our guest and uh, making excuses for Mike McCarthy, who, when the Cowboys hired him, I just sent him a little laugh emoji. He's still sticking to it. Despite the fact that the Cowboys own locker room and players are speaking to Jane Slater of the NFL network, calling the coaching staff quote, totally unprepared saying they don't teach, they don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly, they just aren't good at their jobs. Um, come on, Well, you bro. know, that was the 
that was an anonymous source. I could, you know, I have an anonymous source too. So you're um, you're gonna sit here. You're gonna sit here in a in a in attack. You're gonna sit here and attack Jane Slater, who has never been one to grab no, headlines no, or fake not, anything. Not at all. No, not at all. But I'm just saying, anonymous sources. Anybody can have an anonymous source, guy. I could tell you right now, I got an anonymous source. Yeah, about the Cowboys you, you, so you, then, you, you, if you, so you could tell me right on, now the, the that you have an anonymous source that's a player that that is multiple players in the locker room. You could do that, and you'd be telling the truth. Yeah. Again, if it's an anonymous source, how do we? How do we know if it's the truth? Bro, and then are also, you kidding was it me specified right now? On which coach? I'm not kidding you. you you're, because, so you don't believe again, you like think the, that Jane Slater did not talk to players. You think that that's that that's not true. I didn't say that. I said that it's an unnamed source. So what if it came from like a Fort Stringer backup punter or something? It came, you know what I'm saying? Like if but, it ain't but, a notable player, it, it came it, with it. But but the, but the reality is a. So you will at least acknowledge that you believe her that there are there are players on the Cowboys that said these things about the coaching staff. Again, it's an unnamed source. I don't know who it was. It could have been. I don't know who it was. But the I, fact, that, it, the fact that any player would say it to the media is is a bad thing, bro. Like, don't even lie. If something like this happened to the Saints, players. if something like this happened to the Saints, you would be you would be something like it this happened to the Saints. Yes, yes. And, and I mean, it, we have un, unnamed sources have said Michael Thomas punched such and such for odd reasons or whatever. But again, like we don't know what was transpired. He got punished. We don't know everything because, again, it's unnamed. Well, the same. The, 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 so that, that, that's 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 not the same situation as players oh, calling out the actual head coach. I mean, this is this is my, my conversation is about head coach. All right, the the coaches, the coaching staff. The exactly. Coaching now, staff. if it's a defense, it and again, I started this conversation with if it's a defensive coach because I don't I don't think it was, if it was a a real source of a, a notable player. I don't think there was talk about Mike McCarthy. I think it's more so on the defense. Uh, the defense the has given up. Man. The defense has given up almost 31 points per game. Oh, they're, if they're, they're talking about uh, people being unprepared, it's the defense. I, again, I can't blame Mike McCarthy right now, Scott. I'm sorry. Head, as much as you want me to, coach. I can't blame. No, the no, head coach. I, I, it, I it warms my heart that you still think the Cowboys hired a good coach. I, I find it funny, and I will, I will I, enjoy it for I, a long I, time. And I'm, yeah, I mean, because we only we, what six games in. Like I said, I can't give out the jury because Dak Prescott isn't playing. Man, Tyron Smith isn't playing. Lionel Collins hasn't played. Look, so that, I'm look, look, that, have the, have the know, Cowboys it, been hit with a string of bad luck? Absolutely. All right, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they haven't. I mean, you mentioned it. Prescott, well, Sandry, Tyron want, Smith, well, I mean, Leighton Van Der Sean Lee. Um, you know, you haven't found a replacement for Byron Jones. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs, he's just, he, he's just, he's not it. Um, it's just, it's nah, not, nah, it's, nah, it's, nah, nah. you're not going to talk bad on Trevon Diggs. He's a rookie cornerback and he's playing, he's to say he's a rookie. There's no pass for us. Defense, the defense is brand new scheme. He, he's did, playing, I, okay. oh, what, my, my I'm, point, no, my point is you did not find an ad, adequate replacement for Byron, for Byron Jones. I mean, you didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't replace an all pro with a rookie. Like, come on, Scott. That's, That's uh, step exa- one. I mean, exa- a, exactly. Exactly. That's my point. It's a rookie. That's my point. No, that's, that's what you're supposed to do, though. If, no, you're if not supposed to replace agent, somebody with a rookie. To, not when you're a team that, that you, quote, so has when, Super Bowl aspirations. So, so when, that, that, again, so when a big-time player leaves, 
you don't draft somebody to fill a spot. So Michael Thomas, he just fell out the sky. Oh, y'all drafted him. Michael, he got drafted in the second Alvin Carr, round. Did he fall out the sky? Third round. But did he did he fall out the sky? I mean, Tavon Diggs did got drafted in the second round also. Did did they fall out the sky? When you or did they have to replace people that left? You you always do, but when you but replace you. an all pro with a rookie. I mean, you, you come on, man. If you're a team with Super Bowl aspirations, I, mean, I don't think that's what are a smart you supposed move. to do? <laughs> go sign, go think, sign someone think, in free agency. Go sign someone in free agency. Oh, okay. Develop talent. Have somebody ready. Right. I mean, he's oh, still looking you. for his first uh, career interception, we, isn't he? Who Byron Jones? No, Trayvon Diggs. Well, he's a, yeah, but he's a rookie. You know, what I mean, the other rookies they they got players. Byron Jones didn't get a, a his first career interception until like three years in. I just I, so, I, again, I expect more out of this guy. Again, I, <laughs> I but uh, you know, I think y'all have a little bit more to worry about than the y'all Cowboys. Y'all say y'all. I don't I don't you refer know, to the Saints as we or me. I refer to the Saints as the Saints. I don't I don't take it as hard as you do. No. How about you, you, I, <laughs> I'm good. I told you. I'm, uh, I Norman Locke. See, no, we, 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 we're up and running, everybody. Good morning. We're having some fun. Uh, Norman Locke, host of the Morning Lock-In. Norman, I want your uh, complete um, just hardcore analysis of the World Series. Go. <laughs> Go Dodgers. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right. Uh, Stan Van Gundy. What, what is your, what, uh, Bits. We're, we're going to talk to Andrew Lopez here in, uh, in in a couple of minutes. Andrew Lopez of ESPN.com, uh, beat writer for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, he was the one, along with Woj, that broke the news yesterday that uh, it was official. So uh, the Pels go with a retread. Uh, what was your initial reaction? How are you feeling about it this morning? I'm excited. You know, um, it's been, I know it's been a long time since we let go, since the Pelicans let go Alvin Gentry. And, you know, I was getting kind of worried on the process of the Pelicans hiring a coach, but Stan, I, you know, Stan's the man to me, you know, um, what he did in Orlando with Dwight Howard and JJ Riddick and uh, Higo Turgaloo, they, they had success. Now, you know, a lot of people want to, gripe on him for his time in D- with the Detroit Pistons, but it's the Detroit Pistons, you know? So it's like, it's also, like I think like, it was the dual, to- the dual role was, he was bad at the dual role. I mean, he giving yeah. him the full control, suddenly they, they had bad draft picks. Suddenly they were in cap hell. They had a lot of restrictions. I mean, he, he, he didn't do well there. And in terms of just being a head coach, if you look at his time in Miami, if you look at his time in Orlando, obviously, there was there was a lot more success there, so um, I think you know was his success in Orlando a template for the Pelicans? I don't know. Like for me, I think I like here's 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 the things I like. I like his focus on defense. I like that players that have played for him say that he holds everyone accountable because he works as hard. He's not afraid of confrontation, but he doesn't overdo it with confrontation. Right? He's like, look, confrontation. It's not necessarily a bad thing because if you don't do it then things will never change and you got to do it when it's absolutely necessary so those are things I think that you know a a team with a young core could use um uh you know what 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 will happen with Holiday and Reddick you know we'll ask Andrew Lopez about that coming up in just a little bit but those are the things I like the things I just the reason it was kind of just meh for me is again it's just it's the retread. It's I was I was hoping for maybe a young assistant, young and upcoming. I think there'd be a little more unknown. 
you know, I mean, Sam Cassell's name got thrown out there. Stagler's are former players that come to mind, but you you had some other you had some other options as well. So it's I don't I don't dislike the hiring of Stan Van Gundy, but for me it's it's kind of like a eh, like it's it's it makes sense, but it's just it's not it's not as um, how do I put it? It's not as hot on the plate. It's not as sizzling, perhaps. But hopefully, so, hopefully so, it's steak. But I don't know that it's sizzle. So my my question to you and to other people is: Who would you have rather? Uh, you know, Sam Cassell was obviously one of the names that got thrown out. But like you said, one of the unknown up and coming rising assistants. Or who who are some of them to ring bells? Because I mean, I I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know. That's why I'm like. Other than Sam Cassell, I wouldn't know any. Well, yeah, you had you had coach you, or, you, uh, you know Will Will Weaver was one, and he was one of the finalists, and his name got brought up a lot. Jamal uh, Jamal Mosley was another. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that there was a serious interest in Jason Kidd or or Kenny Atkinson based on some folks that I talked to, despite some reports out there. But you know, Jamal Mosley is a guy. He's been an assistant coach with the Mavericks. Uh, two, he hadn't been a head coach yet. And then Will Weaver was somebody that got mentioned quite a bit as a potential guy. And I think he might've ended up being, being the guy, um, if, if it wasn't in fact, Stan Van Gundy. Um, so, you know, Weaver's, and you, you was going to be excited, but that would have been hot sizzling steak for you. I, I would have, I, I, there would have been a little more unknown. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, look. Norm, here's what I got for you. I'm looking for I the hot you. sizzle I, steak. I, here, here, here's here's what I got for you. I got this um, this vehicle behind this door. It's gonna run. It's gonna run. You know, it's gonna get the job done. It's not gonna break down on the side of the road. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be respectful, right? You know, hopefully it actually gets some good luck. Something the Pelicans coaches have not had. Uh, but behind door B, man, it this this could be a pretty amazing ride. It could be. It could be one of the best cars on the street. It could take you places that you've never been before, Norm. But it could also be a car that uh, might break down. So which one do you take, right? It's kind of that unknown of door B. And I maybe I just kind of fell into that line of thinking because I've just I feel like this this franchise. See, people on the outside would be like, "What are you talking about? They hadn't had bad luck. They they had the number one overall pick and got AD, and then they got Zion." But you know as well as I do, and Andrew will will attest to this as well. This team has had horrendous luck, and and so I'm yeah. just I'm tired of being kind of you know one step forward, two steps back, uh, and and I'm hoping I, again I don't dislike Van Gundy, but it's kind of like I know it's behind door A, behind door B. There's there's some unknown there, and that's that's exciting to me. Maybe I'm just bored. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're just <laughs> bored because you still ain't answer who would have been the sizzling steak pick, and that's why I'm like you know. Different fans chiming in. Oh, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know in. that. Uh, so, so Tyron Lue might have been kind of sizzling had he chosen oh, him. Oh no, because oh, because he's. <laughs> that, hey, look, that's who they wanted, Norm. That's who they wanted first and foremost. But that, I wouldn't have been excited. That wouldn't have been sizzling. I would have been nobody. The Tyron fan base Lue. would not have been would not have been super excited about a Jamal Mosley or a Will Weaver. But I would have been. I'm only speaking for me. Okay, okay. I'm only okay. speaking for me. I mean, in terms I'm of their short at... list, there wasn't a guy on there that's like, but, you know, there are a lot of fans that would have said of of, of Stan Van Gundy, Jamal Mosley, Will Weaver, and, Ty- and Tyron Lue, not you, but there would have been a lot of fans that would have said, oh, of all those names, Lue's the, you know, he's the one that, that has the most sizzle. A lot of fans would have told you that. 
Yeah, but uh, you know, a lot of fans also was like push pushing for Jason Kidd. I'm just like, no, 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 why? Yeah, I'm like, why? Like one guy was like, Norm, don't disrespect Jason Kidd. He's a great coach. I'm like, well, prove it. <laughs> like prove yeah. prove how he was a great coach. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, uh, but I, Stan, you know, as a person, I, you know, I think it's more of I attest to Stan Van Gundy as a person with how he's just, you know, like you say, he holds people accountable, how he's just been on active on social media. I just think that he's going to fit well with the culture of New Orleans. I, I don't think Elvin, I think Elvin, you know, fell in line with New Orleans, but I, you know, him and AD, I could say like AD didn't fall in line with New Orleans culture. You know, AD BI has a, he didn't like at all. He didn't. So I think more so on the lines, I think Stan with Zion, with B.I., I think they can grow together in, in New Orleans uh, as a, a one, two, three punch. I don't know. I got, I got faith in Stan. I just think his personality is going to gel with the fans gonna, gonna, and, and going to produce, uh, hopefully. But I, that's just me. I think he's going to produce, uh, especially with the system that he ran in Orlando with you know, surrounding, you know, we have, if we go back and look, he surrounded Dwight Howard with a bunch of shooters. And but you, you look, look but Zion, that was, we really want to do the same. That was, that was the late 2000s, man. I mean, you, you, you rag on Saints fans about, remember the last time they won a title? I mean, well, the, the, mag, the magic word in the finals, the, the last time they were in the finals was before that. I mean, it was before the yeah, Saints even I'm, had that run. It's I'm been a while. I'm saying the sense of he was before his time in putting a big man surrounded by a bunch of shooters. He was doing that in the late 2000s, and now what all we see is what people want to do. Oh, get Anthony Davis, surround him with shooters. Giannis, we need to surround him with shooters. LeBron, we need to surround him with shooters. Well, that I mean, he no, was doing right. that you're in right. Orlando. 13 years ago, that th- those kind of lineups were revolutionary at the time. Um, and yeah, Orlando the time, was... And Orlando was 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 at times people were critical of him. Oh, you don't have enough size and strength. Well, they were pretty good. They didn't win a title, but they got to the finals. I mean, they they had a lot of success. And for the Pelicans, you know, they've never been out of the second round before in the history of the franchise. They've been to the playoffs twice in the last what nine years. It hasn't been, it hasn't been great. So the bar is pretty low. Ultimately, more than anything, I think Stan just needs a little bit of luck on his side because this franchise and all of it. I mean, from Paul Silas to, you know, Tim Floyd for one year to Byron Scott to, um, you know, temporarily Jeff Bauer on an interim basis to Monty Williams to Alvin Gentry. I mean, they've, they've all had some bad luck. I think Byron Scott probably, you know, he didn't have he didn't have as much bad luck. I mean, when he first got there, you know, Baron Davis wanted out and there were some things he had to deal with. But he ended up getting Chris Paul, and things things worked out okay for Byron. He eventually lost the locker room, and, and then things kind of started to turn. But he didn't have great ownership. But that's kind of the other thing. It's like he probably was dealt the best hand in regards to just luck. Not that he had a ton of luck, but he didn't have a lot of bad luck. But he didn't have the ownership stability that, you know, that they currently have right now. If Just from an injury standpoint, 100%. if the Pelicans can I- just, 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 just have some normalcy – on that, from that standpoint, then I think it'll give Stan a chance to do what he really wants to do. But I mean, a lot of these coaches, they just they've never been able to really work with the the true lineups they they really want to work with because of again bad luck. Yeah, I, and that's the biggest thing that a lot of people won't understand about the Pelicans is the the bad luck. Like you said, the 
New Orleans was splitting personnel between the Pelicans and New Orleans. So New Orleans didn't get the proper, the Pelicans didn't get the proper resources like other teams. Uh, then the injury bugs constantly with Anthony Davis every year on out, then Boogie Cousins. In. Then, you know, we get Zion and then COVID happens and then Zion gets injured. It's just, you know, like you said, strings of strings of bad luck each year. It's like something is going to happen soon as we get going. Something's going to happen to stop the Pelicans train. It's just it's last seven years. It's just like. It's going to be one epic thing that's going to derail the train. Norman Locke, host of the Morning Lock-In, hanging out with me. Coming up later in the show, we're going to be talking about um, the Cajuns game coming up tomorrow night. Talk a little bit about NFL, make some Week 7 picks. We're going to chat a little bit about the World Series, among other things, LSU and South Carolina, and, of course, the Pelicans, they have a new head coach, Stan Van Gundy. We're going to visit with Andrew Lopez, beat writer for ESPN, covering the Pels. He's going to join Norm and I next right here on ESPN 1420.com. Don't go anywhere. This is The Great Scott Show. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Scott Prather, Norman Locke, hanging out as he does every Thursday morning. He is in parts unknown, but with us via an app and on the phone line with us, is my friend Andrew Lopez, a, a graduate of a wonderful university, Loyal University of New Orleans. He has been covering the Pelicans on the beat for uh, several years now. He and Woj were the ones who broke the story yesterday about uh, Stan Van Gundy and it becoming an official agreement between um, his representation and the New Orleans Pelicans. So with all of that, uh, he's been very busy with that and yet still takes time to come on the airways. We appreciate it. Andrew, good morning, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh Nice to nice to have all this kind of settled now after a couple of uh, of months of speculation, but uh, good to good to kind of have it you know all all agree to now. No doubt. And uh, Norman and I were talking last segment. I I don't dislike the hire. I just I I was kind of I'm kind of at a point where I guess I was in that that segment of um, that group that was like maybe maybe go with somebody that hasn't been a head coach yet uh, because. I just think behind door B, kind of the unknown. But, you know, behind door A, it's it's not bad what you're getting. You know, Stan, it's not like I'm upset about the hiring of Stan Van Gundy. Uh, but, Norman, you, you're a lot more excited about this than I am, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure where Andrew lies, but Norm, Norm's been sitting there just celebrating nonstop, haven't you, Norman? Yeah, because, you know, I think it's going to fit perfectly in New Orleans. Like I was, we were saying in the last segment, his personality, I think, is going to assimilate in, with the New Orleans culture. Andrew, why? My question is, why do you think it took so long for the hire? Is it because they had multiple people that they wanted to keep interviewing, or they just it was just the process? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think so. Go back to when Alvin Gentry was fired. We talked to David Griffin shortly after that, and he told us they were going to take their time with this process. And part of that had to do with the fact that there were people that they wanted to talk to who were still in the bubble. Um, and what, what what they wanted to do, they didn't want to make this a, a hire where they, um, you know, they just met on Zoom and, and picked out a coach. That's not how they operate. They want to break bread. They want to talk. Uh, I know of at least two uh, face-to-face encounters that they had, uh, one in Orlando, one in New Orleans, um, 
they wanted to meet face to face. They wanted to give them a, a chance to kind of do some things. The initial round of interviews, I do believe, uh, took place on, on, on Zooms and they're kind of vetting candidates and doing things like that. Uh, sources have told me they talked to nine guys for uh, the first round of interviews, if you will, and then they broke it down to four finalists. Uh, one of those finalists was obviously Stan Van Gundy. Another was, was Ty Lue. Uh, so Ty Lue wasn't going to uh, be able to take interviews until well after the, the Clippers were eliminated from the bubble. Uh, Jason Kidd was another person who had interest in the job, and the Pels had interest in him. He's another guy that wasn't going to be able to, to take face-to-face interviews until after the bubble. So that part you, you, you wanted to wait for. Um, I don't think you know the front office minded maybe not having to pay two coaches for two months because you got to remember they're still paying Alvin Gentry a little bit. So you know, not having to spend a lot of money on a coach could probably help as well. And I don't think that they they really thought they had competition for who they wanted in Stan Van Gundy. It wasn't like Stan Van Gundy was going to go take another job. He was in the same kind of space where David Griffin was, um, I guess, 18 months ago now, uh, when when he took this job the first time well the first time when he took this job i should say um grip had his chances to go to orlando he had his chances to go to other places but he he waited he wanted to be in the right situation and i think that's the same thing for stan van gundy he wanted to wait and he wanted to be uh, in the right situation and he thought that this was the right situation for him so um, and you have a coach like that, if that's really the guy at the top of your radar who started to kind of jump out, you know, maybe maybe at the end of the bubble, maybe you know, maybe a month or so ago, there's no reason to really rush it, um, especially when you still don't know what the salary cap is for next year. You really still don't know when the season's starting because it's not starting in December. So you had time to let this process kind of go out, and I think that's what you kind of saw here. NBA reporter Andrew Lopez of uh, ESPN.com and ESPN, our guest this morning, ESPN 1420. Andrew, the the the, uh, the question in terms of the roster, I think it it starts with one of two things. Either Zion Williamson, because ultimately what he gets out of him will determine the fate, likely of that coach and, and possibly of David Griffin and other. And then the other one is, well, Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick, what are they going to do with these guys, these veteran guards who can become free agents Summer after, well, shoot, next summer. But like you said, it could be later, depending on when the season starts. But point next, is, you know, next off season. yeah, there, there you go. Thank you. I'll word it that way. Next off season. So, um, you know, if you were going to trade them, you know, you got a lot of future assets. Maybe do it now rather than wait till the deadline. Um, Reddick has been not just since you know Van Gundy was hired, but he has said off, you know, more than once that that the best coach he ever played for in the NBA was Stan Van Gundy, and he did it when he was young. Drew Holiday, such a defensive-minded guy, you know, uh, with Stan's history of just really focusing in on the defensive side of the ball. Do you feel like they're more likely or less likely to trade one or both of those guys now that Stan Van Gundy is the head coach? You know, if you would have, we would have had this conversation on Monday. I would have told you I thought both of those guys were going to get traded uh, somewhere. Um, and not necessarily in a in a rebuild situation because I do think that both of those guys 
would have fetched uh, a nice haul, let's say, oh, Brooklyn, uh, for instance, where maybe you could have got a Karis Levert, a uh, Torian Prince, maybe you work Jared Allen in there, maybe you can, maybe you get one of the younger guys and some picks and you can do some different things. Um, but when you're hiring a 61-year-old Stan Van Gundy, that tells me you're, you're going to attempt to win. Um, so now I, I, would, I would think it is less likely now if they feel that they can get value for those guys and then get two more pieces or three more pieces or whatever they think that would fit their timeline better. Um, you, you, again, you look at Brooklyn. I mean, obviously Drew and JJ can go compete for a championship this year, next year. Um, and then you get a guy like Karis LeVert who could then build at 26 years old with your core uh, that fits in a little bit more. So it, it, there's still possibilities there. I do think it is less likely right now, but uh, certainly not ruling out um, any sort of, um, you know, possibilities of a trade. I do think that uh, they still could be on the table. ESPN 1420.com. Um you know, Andrew Lopez, our guest, getting back to the Zion question here, most folks will point to what Stan did with Dwight Howard in Orlando in terms of, and Norm and I were talking about this earlier, that uh, it, it seemed it was like revolutionary is the word I think I read somewhere when he first was able to put sort of the size and strength together. All right, we're going to play Dwight at the five. We're going to surround him by these shooters and then here you are, you know, in 2020, and the league is so much about the three-point shot and in uh, a lot of what Stan put into place. So now that's that's more of the way now. How 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 fair of a comparison do you think that is to assume that's what Stan will try to do? And do you see the pace perhaps slowing down a little bit now that he's the head coach? Um, I think he still likes to get out and shoot the threes. He still likes to do that, but I, I don't think you're going to be – playing at like breakneck speed anymore. You're not going to be shooting to finish first in the league in pace. Um, you're going to be shooting to finish first in the league in defensive efficiency, and then whatever else happens, happens. Um, even those teams in Detroit, you know, he finished top half of the league three of those four years. In fact, he's finished 11 seasons as a head coach. Um, he's been in the top half of the league uh, 10 of those 11 times. He's been the top 10 eight of those times. Uh, they also prevent the three. They they rebound better than what the Pelicans do traditionally. Um, so you'll still get your fast breaks. You just I don't think you'll see, uh, you know, you know I, I I think we'll see much less, uh, you know, shots going up with 20, 19 seconds, 18 seconds left on the shot clock. I think you'll you'll see a little bit more of a commitment on the defensive end. And and that's kind of what you need. You need it. You need a teacher on this side uh, to get this done. And I think that's what uh, that's what they have in Stan. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. We're visiting with Andrew Lopez, uh, ESPN reporter, who has been covering the Pelicans. Ultimately, um, I'll ask a question, and I can throw it to Norm next. You know, we were chatting earlier, Andrew, and I think from the outside, I've heard people that don't follow this team that find out I do. They're like, oh, well, I mean, you guys have had some some good luck and you've just kind of thrown it away, right? <laughs> They've had, uh, you know, Anthony Davis and the number one pick and now Zion. And I'm like, yeah, good luck is not a phrase I would ever use to describe the New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans. Um, good hands, that's something that I wouldn't have said until recently. And, you know, once Gail kind of cleaned house and brought in David Griffin. But ultimately, 
We can break down X's and O's all we want. For Stan Van Gundy to have more success than the previous coaches of this franchise, more than anything, he just kind of needs some good luck on the injury front that the former coaches just never had, right? Yeah, I mean, and this is a franchise with they've gone the – I think they've won two French two playoff series in their history or mm-hmm. three. Yeah. Two. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the trip to, yeah. So they just haven't had success, man. It, it just hasn't been there. And, you know, you go back to Chris Paul, Chris Paul still gets booed by the way, every time. I, he comes I don't, I don't get it. I, I mean, don't understand I don't, me neither. Me neither. He, he left because the, you didn't have an owner. The no. NBA was about to own the team. You didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, uh, Don't fault him for that one. Uh, so, I mean, you, you also got rid of David West and Tyson Chandler. So, uh, I mean, I, whatever, on that, whatever. Anthony Davis requesting a trade might have been the best thing to happen to the New Orleans Pelicans franchise. I've said that before, and I, I say that now. It's because that's what caused Gale to recognize and, and make changes and say, okay, we don't need to play for now. We need to play for future stuff. That's what got David Griffin in. Um, you got good luck with <laughs> with, his, with Zion, for sure. Uh, but now you need to continue that luck with having uh, healthy players, um, Zion included. And I think as, as he goes, this franchise will go. Not just this team, not just for the records. This franchise will go. As Zion goes, there's so much in him, and that's why they've protected him as as much as they they have, um, maybe more so than they should have, uh, if you ask some people. But I think what you're what you're going to see there is, is as, as healthy as he is. That's how healthy this that's how, that's how this team will go. Um, Brandon Ingram is an all star. He can only take you so far. Zion is that piece, and if Zion's going to be your five offensively where you get a four-man, uh, maybe who's not on the roster right now, or who can play the four offensively, play the five defensively. That's probably the ideal situation for a Zion. But you could also have lineups where you know, Zion's the five. Brandon, you have three more shooters out there. So there's a lot you can still do. And I I think you know the hires that Stan Van Gundy makes as, as assistants are going to show a lot about where uh, this team is going to go offensively. Now, Andrew, why do you think Stan Van Gundy only wanted to go to the New Orleans Pelicans? You don't think that any other team will try to have courted him, or it was just it was either the Pelicans or I'm going back to TNT? Uh, I really think it was <laughs> that's kind of what it seemed like. I think Griff <laughs> kind of reached out to him um, to to kind of gauge his interest and, and, and see where his interest was in this. Um, he he was going to have to look for the right situation for him. He wasn't going to go to a place uh, where a pot, like he, like he wouldn't have been a contender in Oklahoma City before, or anything. And I think other teams had other choices. Uh, he was going to look for the right fit for him. Uh, and I think that's what you have to do uh, as a coach. We talk about this with players all the time, but the same thing works with, executives and coaches you have to find a place that fits what you want to do um and i think he's the right kind of guy for david griffin he's gonna uh he's not gonna just take everything griff says he's gonna give a little pushback he's gonna fight um you know stan vanigo needs a coach has had good success he went to the finals he's won 59 games three times um stan vanigo needs a gm 
was not good at all. And that's why those teams in Detroit, I think, suffered a little bit, even though they always still kind of hovered around 500 because, or just under because they were still kind of under mandates to, to try to make the playoffs from ownership. Um, but Stan, the, the coach, is, is a good coach. This is, uh, to me, a good hire. I don't know if it's uh, – I, I don't know if it's a home run. <laughs> I don't know if it's a great hire. It is a very good hire. Uh, I want to see where he goes with uh, some of these assistant hires, and then you kind of go from there. But um, it was all about fit, and it's, it's, it's about fit with coaches – executives as much as it is uh, about players. ESPN 1420.com. Andrew Lopez has been our guest. As always, we appreciate the time, man. My final question to you, uh, Andrew Lopez. Go ahead, go, guys, go give him a follow on Twitter. It's at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez on Twitter. He's verified. You see him on ESPN. You see him talking NBA. You see him talking Pelicans. And you hear him on occasion right here on our radio station. Uh <clears throat> In terms of this is something you don't have the answer to, and neither do I. So it's, but it's something we've talked about in terms of the NBA calendar moving a little bit. Uh, you know, it was I don't know four ye- four years and three days ago that the Pelicans opened up uh, a season two years ago with a dominant win and AD and everybody was looking great and they marched out to a four and zero start and. Who knew what uh, the page, next two uh, the, the, the page game, the, the, the Nico game. That's the right. Nico game against, against Sacramento. Nico went uh, off. That's well, it. And Drew Holiday's like, I'm going to buy him some wine, man. And they were coming yep, off the playoffs. Buy, buy him a bottle of wine oh. for every 30-point game, and that was the last bottle of wine he bought. Yeah. We, it was, it was, and it was coming off the heels of, like, the playoffs before, and it was like, oh, man, they need to win this year because AD might leave. And little did we know what uh, the upcoming months had in store and the upcoming years had in store. It's crazy how much has happened just in that time. But my final question is, like, when when do you think? I mean, do, do, you, do you think Griff has an idea, or is everybody kind of just waiting to see when this next league year is actually going to begin? Because I think they don't mind the idea of a, of a finals later in the summer, but I think they would obviously try to avoid having it when they had to have it this year. Uh, I, what I think, I've I've long been a, a proponent of starting the league on Christmas. I think that's your day. Um, it, it, it's it's kind of like how, how football has Thanksgiving. You have Christmas. It, it's your day. I think that's a logical starting point. Um, maybe they end up getting back to that starting point, and then that would end up putting the the finals in early to mid August, and then. Your the finals are done before football season starts. We saw this year, even with these NBA finals with the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, uh, you were getting beat two to one by like Thursday night football games. Football is king. You want to avoid football as much as possible. You want to avoid the first half of your season uh, being in the NFL news cycle. So ultimately this year, I believe they're going to end up probably starting in January, possibly as late as February, because um, they do want fans in stands, and obviously that's going to be difficult in some markets. So you're, you're going to wait that out. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up with a, a January start or a Christmas start going forward, finishing in August, and then kind of move from there. I think that's logical, and I think that puts you – not against the NFL and kind of being able to move forward from there. 
Andrew, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Uh, you always make time for us on the show. I know you're busy after a new hire, but I also know you're glad to kind of sink your teeth into some uh, new stories. And obviously, we'll be trying to follow, you know, who how this how this staff is going to shape out. Because as you pointed out, that's going to start giving us a lot of clues into maybe some of the things we can expect on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and that's going to be a big thing. Who stays? Who goes? How does he work this staff? It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the upcoming weeks. Thanks so much, Andrew. Appreciate it, man. All the best, all right? All right, thank you. Got it. So that was uh, Andrew Lopez, and uh, I'm Scott Prather. Norman Locke on the line with me uh, this morning as well via uh, an app. And, Norm, what what stood out to you most uh, in in that call with Andrew about this Stan Van Gundy hire? That he agreed with me, Norman Locke. The, the <laughs> that I told you that it was a good hire, Scott. You know, and I, yeah, I, he didn't throw out any other names. Like you said, uh, it was courting other people, but it was a mutual, you know, bonding experience between the New Orleans Pelicans and Stan Van Gundy. And I think it's going to work out, Scott. That's I, that's the stake. I, it might I, not be sizzling, but it's some hey, stake. Hey, I'm all for it. Again, I don't I don't dislike the hire. For the record, so I don't want you to to make it sound like I said I did. I'm just no. not uh, dancing around, you know, like like you are. I mean, you were you were doing an old like you were doing the gritty when you found out the high. <laughs> you were doing the gritty, man. Because oh, I didn't why. want to see Ty Lue in my city, bro. I did not want to see Ty Lue on in New Orleans on porches. Don't didn't want to see it. Now, Stan Van, Stan, Stan's going to just jump into it, man. Don't you? He's just going to jump into the city. That's what he's going to do. Man, I promise you, you could probably catch Stan Van Gundy in a dicky suit on bourbon with like a fifth of crown at some point. Mardi Gras, you know, if we ever get back to the normalcy of Mardi Gras, I can't wait to party with Stan Van Gundy. ESPN1420.com. <laughs> we can only dream. I look forward to hearing the morning lock-in. That happens. Don't go anywhere. That's Norman Lockraither talking a little Cajuns and Tigers next, and then in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll uh, we'll open up phone lines and uh, hit on the World Series a little bit and, of course, make some NFL Week 7 picks. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott uh, Scott Show continues right after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Scott Prather, Norman Locke, uh, Norm Let's talk some college football. You know, we've talked so much about Stan Van Gundy, and uh, we'll, we'll hit on the World Series in the NFL a little bit later. But uh, the Cajuns coming off of the loss last week, playing tomorrow night. And for folks that are wondering, we're going to have Acadian and Wreck and Ram football on 960. Ascension Episcopal will have the audio stream on our YouTube page. There's also a, a, a stream uh, video of the game, and you can get the link over at our scoreboard. Uh, Bobby Neva and, and Eric will have the call on that. You got uh, Brobridge Cecilia, the rivalry, right? That's on Classic Rock 105.1 and Turlings football over on 96.5 tomorrow night. Anyway, all right, sorry. I'm rambling. Cajun football here in 107.9. The Cajuns taking on UAB. Uh, only one player backup tackle. It looks like they're going to be out of the game for COVID reasons. That could be contact tracing. Doesn't mean he tested positive. They're going to have pretty much their team intact here. They are a one-point underdog. The odds makers feel like this thing is uh, is a pretty even matchup. Are the Cajuns bouncing back tomorrow night, Norman? If they are, what do they have to do? They got to run the football. Uh, last game, we was averaging, you know, I think upwards of like six yards a carry, uh, and that's that's our identity. You know, we have those big offensive linemen up front who like 
moving people out, you know, International House of Pancakes, you know, aha. And I think that's what we just have to get back to it. I mean, Levi Lewis has been playing, you know, great, but I just think that we need to get back to pounding the rock and punishing our opponents. UAB isn't the pushovers they were, you know, five, 10 years ago. They've actually rebuilt their program. They've been pretty decent, the Dragons. Uh, so I, I think we just got to get back to that ground and pound, brutal, physical, Cajuns football. Levi Lewis, what does he need to do here tomorrow night? Got to protect the football. Uh, that that one interception last game, I think that one turnover was the difference maker in the game last week uh, for the Cajuns. But I think that this game he's going to come in a little bit more careful. Uh, but, again, I want him to play loose. I want him to play free. I don't want him to be restricted. You know, uh, the biggest thing with quarterbacks, you're going to throw interceptions. Nobody has ended their career without throwing not one interception if you was a good quarterback. So I want him still out there free, you know, loose, going through his progressions and just letting that thing sling when he sees a guy open. Having Farad Gardner back, he's on the depth chart, uh, is going to be big. I mean, just I think missing him uh, in the matchup against Coastal definitely hurts. So you've got some good things. You've got a, you've got a full depth chart for the most part. You know, there are a couple of guys on there. Uh, and you've got a game against – you know, a, a foe that's in a G5 conference, the Sun Belt, I think they're going to be playing a, playing a close eye to this one because the Sun Belt has fared well this year. Obviously, the notable wins against Big 12 teams, but you want to get those wins anytime, especially if you're the Cajuns, anytime you're playing a team in Coosa or the American or something like that. So uh, for, for a number of reasons, even though it's not a conference game, man, go get this W tomorrow night. Got to get this W. You know, I... My Sunday morning shows just don't start off with the same flair without starting out with a Cajuns win. You know, I don't, I don't know. I just my swag would be a little bit off coming off a Cajuns loss early Sunday morning. So I, I need the Cajuns to win, especially as I continue to slander these LSU and them fans because that's, that's really their full name, LSU and them, since they like to stick us with that extra L. So I refer to them on Sundays as, as LSU A&M. So I need the Cajuns to keep rolling so I can keep rolling. Well, I'm just going to call them LSU. That's what they are. And Miles Brennan, questionable to play Saturday, but I don't know, man. I mean, this kid reportedly basically had like a, a, a what they're calling a lower body injury, but like an abdomen tear, some some like really painful injury, and he played the majority of the game against cool. Mizzou with it. So. Shout out to him, man. I mean, I mean it, you know, to stay in there and gut it out. Um, but now you might have to turn to a true freshman quarterback while your defense has been uh, offense. This is to offend you like the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the LSU defense is <laughs> like, looking like the Cowboys defense so far this season. I mean, they can't stop a runny nose. The, uh, the Tigers no. taking on. Uh, a South Carolina team that's coming off a huge win. You know, they, 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 they surprised yes. Everybody last week uh, when they got um, against Auburn. So they're coming off of a big win. Game's at LSU. They've had an extra week to prepare. Do you start seeing some things turn around this week? Maybe the defense is finally at a place where the players are more comfortable and they've, as, as Ed, Coach O said, they needed to do simplify it. Are you going to see improvement this week for LSU? Is the, is the arrow going to start to point up or is it going to keep being dragged down? 
I think it gets worse, Scott. Uh, again, with the quarterback, uh, he's he's a tough. He's tough. Uh, built the nails to have a core injury and to keep repeatedly getting hit, throwing the football, running, breathing. I know it all had to be tough for him, but his team's just not good. You know, the defense, other than uh, Terrence Marshall, the, 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 there's no there's no true stud on this team. Uh, so I. I mean, Stingley, I, I Stingley's a worse, stud. The defense is bad, but I mean, come on. I mean, Stingley's an amazing player. Yeah, no, Stingley's a stud, but it, you know, what's what's a diamond amongst a bunch of coals? You know, like that he is he isn't the difference maker in this defense. Uh, he can shut down one receiver, but, but everybody else is getting open. So I can't I can't pick up one player on a bad defense. So as a whole, I don't I don't see LSU. Coming from the water, especially uh, earlier today, with all the sanctions that they put on LSU with the investigations, uh, Odell Beckham and and uh, one of the the boosters laundering money. I just it's kind of going to get worse as the season go on, especially with Carolina coming off a a major win last week. I talked to. Guys, I have some uh, frat brothers that plays for that team, and those guys. Like, again, when you when you're the underdog and you get a, a win like that, going into playing a bad LSU team, they smell blood, Scott. Like I, I hope people understand, they smell it. And when a shark smells blood, it's not it's not it's nothing pretty happens. You ready for this? LSU is going to win. They're going to win Saturday night. Just telling you. With the true freshman now, again. That, I, that, that's that's the thing that actually makes me hesitate the, the most, actually, um, is 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 the quarterback situation. If Brennan can play, I'll feel a little bit better about it. If it's a true freshman, then then yeah, man, I, I that's that's my asterisk next to it in my prediction, okay? Well, I'm gonna put an asterisk next to it also because if he doesn't play and the true freshman get in, we haven't seen him. What if he gets in? He's a complete stud. You know, like Which one? I, we don't know I what mean, if he's. Either of them. But but he, he could be, and he could I, be. But like, it's not like Brennan's played bad this year. I mean, the offense hasn't been the issue. No, he hasn't. It's, it's been the defense. He hasn't. He's been he, he's been throwing it. Yeah, eleven been eleven he's touchdowns, been, he's been, only three picks. You know, he's thrown for over eleven hundred yards. It's the, the the points have been there. Just the defense hasn't. And I think you know, I don't think it'll be great. I I think I think they get the dub. Let's go back. Let's wrap up this segment with what you mentioned earlier, and that is the NCAA um, investigation and improper booster payments to its football players. LSU had self-imposed penalties. Now, one of them goes back to former tackle Vidal Alexander and payments that were allegedly made to his father from a guy that ended up being involved in the scam where he was laundering money from the local hospital. That's some nasty things. Um, and that was, you know, LSU was notified of the allegations about the hospital back in November 2018. The one I want to ask you about is them saying, hey, Odell can't come to the football facilities for the next two years because he gave out a bunch of cash to some players after the win against Clemson in front of everyone. The cameras are everywhere. You were there that night. You were covering the game. You were on the sidelines, and you said uh, Odell was, uh, was I mean, is wild too strong of a word or not strong enough? It's not strong enough. It's not strong enough. I'm the timeline for Odell's. The only the only thing I can compare it to is the Hangover movies. Like I really feel like he had a complete Hangover esque night, Vegas esque night because the game started late. He was already turned before the game started. 
So the game kicked off roughly, what, 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock. So he was already on 10 at 7 p.m. So by the time the game was over with, he had reached nuclear levels of toughness. And then everything on the field transpired, bunch of after parties. And then he he didn't go to sleep, Scott. He jumped on a jet and flew to London after that game. So he did not rest until he probably got on that flight. So, and again, I was there. Uh, I have a clip of Odell throwing my camera that I never released because I don't want to be that guy. But yes, wild is an understatement of, of Odell Beckham's night for the national championship. Norman Locke uh, was, uh, he, he's got the, but you, you just, Odell, you felt like he just woke up and suddenly he was on a plane to London, one of those deals? Oh, not that I think I know. Well, let's say <laughs> I know after a night of partying, um, you know, we after the LSU win, everybody went to this nightclub uh, in New Orleans called The Republic. And everybody went to Republic. Joe Burrow was there, uh, Lionel Collins, Leonard Fournette, Ty Matthew. Everybody was there. And after that, we everybody went to a gentleman's club. And the gentleman's club, everybody went there. You know, it's about like 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m. I'm completely done. I've, I've covered the game. I was working production for the game. So I was there early that morning. I've been up at for 24 hours at this point. I was like, I'm done. I'm done turning up. I don't play football with y'all. I'm going to sleep. But Odell Beckham, him and um, what's the guy's name? He, uh, Duke Raleigh. They did not stop. Duke Riley was just as turned as Odell Beckham. And then Odell told everybody, yeah, he has to fly to, a flight to catch in the morning. He's leaving. So about 5 o'clock that morning, which will be the next day, he, he got on a flight to, to London. So he didn't even get all the backlash and all of the initial tweets because he was in the air. <laughs> Norman Locke is hanging out with us on this Thursday. I'm Scott Prather. We'll come back 8 o'clock hour coming up. Going to dig into the World Series a little bit. NFL Week 7 picks. A little bit on the Saints-Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater coming back to the Dome. What to expect out of the Cowboys moving forward, among other things. Separating contenders from pretenders. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. I'm Scott. That's Norman. Oh, and we'll open up phone lines next to 269-1077. If you want to get in on the show, don't go anywhere. This is Acadiana's Best Sports Leader for Acadiana's Best Sports Fans, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. All right, everybody, welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank as we keep the Train moving here. Norman Locke is joining us from Parts Unknown. Norman, good morning. You ready for hour number two? Let's do it. So, um, <clears throat> first of all, somebody uh, asked if the UL game would be televised tomorrow night. If so, which network? It will be on CBS Sports Network, which I know not everyone has. Um, it's not. If your- you have the Roku app, it's free. Uh, there's, there's various ways, um, CBS sports network, I guess you could call your provider, see if you have it or check it out. Uh, but if anyone is watching it on TV, as always, we invite you to turn down the volume on, uh, on the, on the TV, sync it up with the volume on the radio and get the call from Jay Walker and Gerald Broussard should be a lot of fun in a game that Norm and I talked about, uh, last hour. 
Did want to mention uh, just for a moment the World Series last night, the Rays. You know, I think they got back to what they do, and it's why that they they won. They stuck to what they do best. Sticking to the script was good. They put out their relievers. They didn't leave their starter in there for too long, and uh, they were able to even up the series. And uh, I, I look, it, it needed to happen. They needed last night's game, or I thought it could be a quick series that could end this weekend. Does this thing have a chance to go seven games, Norm, which ultimately for me with no dog in the hunt, that's what I want. Yeah, I, I have no dog in the hunt. I think it could go seven games. Um, from what I again, you know, I don't watch any baseball, but from what I've I've seen and what I've read is the Rays are pretty much the you know the underdogs, but they they got some spunk to them. So you know, I know the Dodgers is a big time LA team, massive payroll, got the stars, but you can't underestimate the little guys. And in in my opinion, with baseball, I mean, it's it's all about your pitcher anyway, so I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Get it over with. <laughs> uh, he's like, well, who cares about seven? I, I would love it. i dig seven and uh, give it to me, man. Let's let's uh, let's take this thing the distance. In the meantime, we did say we'd open up phone lines this hour at 269-1077-269-1077. Last hour, we uh, spoke to Andrew Lopez over the phone line, Pelicans beat writer and uh, reporter for ESPN. Now we'll talk to you, the listener. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Um, getting back to Levi real quick. The question on what does Levi need to do. Just wondering, at any given time, we might have three freshmen and a sophomore. When we go to, when we go to uh, four receivers, when we go to the spread, we might have three freshmen and a sophomore. Um, last year, or in before the season started, we lost three. We lost Cassius Allen. We lost uh, uh, Khalif Gossett. We lost yeah. Brian Smith. Yeah, we lost anybody that would have been anything more. And, you know, Peter LeBlanc had obviously extensive playing time last year. But we lost, you know, three, you know, guys that had 10 A lot of times Saturday night we, uh, we heard, um, you know, it, it, it was a little behind him, but he could have caught it. And we heard that more than once. It was a little behind him, but he could have caught it. A little bit, and, you know, except for the one time, you know, to Elijah when, you know, okay, he was a senior that, you know, probably should have caught it. Do you think that, you know, this is those times when we're missing a Jamarcus Bradley, we're missing those older guys who might make that small nuanced adjustment to where they can just pull up on the route just a little bit to where it's not too far behind them? No question, but but I think I think it's 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 a combination of that. I think when you've got the timing, I mean, Levi and Jamarcus had reps for you know three years, yeah, and it's yeah. not just about being behind him; it's about the timing between a quarterback and his receiver, and uh, an altered camp and things like that. And folks say, "Oh, well, now you're all the way, now you're in late October." And like, I get it, but you're all it's not a normal season, right? You're not five games yeah. into a season where you had a, a full fall camp, and uh, and even you know Jalen Williams while he's in his mid twenties, he's been in the program a long time. But you're right. I mean, we I talked about it on the Rage last week, uh, nine days ago. It was there were a number of moments where it was could have you know could have been thrown better, but also could have been caught right adjustments. So, uh, so I, yeah, no, I, I think I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. Um, I think the timing. I think you know even a guy like Errol Rogers Jr. who is atop the depth chart at one of the you know they put three receiver spots on the depth chart, but he's on top of one of them. 
He's not just a true yeah. freshman. He's a guy that's coming off of an injury that didn't have, you know, all the reps in, in fall camp that you typically have either. So, yeah, they're they're definitely playing catch-up there. And uh, and I think – but, you know, ultimately, you know how it is. When you're a senior, when you're the quarterback, um, it's going to be, okay, well, you're the one that has to make the play. Now, fair or not, that's just kind of the reality, and that's how folks view football. And we're just going to be light one defensive lineman tomorrow night. A backup defensive lineman. Uh, a backup offensive lineman. Is it? I thought it was. A, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I heard. I heard lineman. So, so we should be fully healthy, and hopefully everybody gets a good night's sleep, and then uh, want to be four and one. You know, come ten or eleven o'clock Friday night. So now, not, not that it's going to matter, because let me ask you one more question. That's going to matter. I mean, you're going to yeah. watch the cages no matter what. But, um, yeah. how do you feel about the Friday night game? Um, I prefer it to Wednesday. I don't, I don't, I, you know, Friday night doesn't bother me that much. Um, you know, it, it's not as bad. Like if the Saints aren't playing at 12 o'clock on Sunday, I'm broken. Well, I'm broken you, then the you're weekend. broken a lot this year. They have what, like four new games <laughs> yeah. that ain't much. Yeah, I, it just, I, I'm just, I am just waking up Sunday morning and I'm like, okay, 12 o'clock coming rolling around. Oh, wait a second. They don't play until three. They don't play until seven. Oh my God. They don't play until tomorrow night. Um, Friday night, you know, not that bad. It's going to open up. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind watching other people come, um, come Saturday morning. Friday night's not that bad. It's, it's, it's not, it's not painful. Like it is, um, uh, not painful like it is on a Wednesday, and it's not painful like the Saints being shuffled around. So I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'll, I'll live. All right, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I won't have to take any anxiety pills. I'll be good. <laughs> All right, have a good one. So, yeah, have a good one. Thanks, uh, Norm. His point about them being without Cassius Allen, without Jamal Bell, without Brian Smith, without Khalif Gossett, even though Khalif is now on the depth chart, so I guess he is technically back out there, healthy enough to play. We haven't really seen him yet. But losing all those guys, that that all that all is it, it obviously matters a lot. But I think the biggest thing is even if you had all those guys, just losing to Jamarcus Bradley. I, I I said this when he was playing. I mean, it's not like I'm just now. I felt like he was and continues to be arguably the most underappreciated player to come through the program. And that's that's not a knock on the media or the fan base. It's just he was so consistent for four straight years. That in a lot of ways you just you kind of get taken for granted because you know what you're going to get, even though what you're getting from Jamarcus was a high level of play. I mean, there's a reason he's on a practice squad right now for a team that's deep at receiver in the NFL because he's just that good. Yeah, 100%. He's just that good. Like uh, the caller says, the little little nuances that the older guys, that the consistent players who have had time to get those reps over the years with Levi, they. They're going to know, they're going to have, but ultimately I still put it on Levi because he could have placed those balls better, uh, especially to LeBlanc that was kind of behind him. Um, Elijah so Mitchell, I just expect a, Levi yeah. to – well, LeBlanc too had something that was behind him. Um, I think it was like a, a deep curl route to the uh, left. Yeah. Uh, that was probably like in the second quarter or something like that. Uh, he dropped it, but – uh, again, it, Levi, just a little better ball placement just because to help the receivers out, you know, just because they are young. I, I, I Look, this team is obviously talented. They're not ranked anymore, but is it fair to say they're going to go as far as Levi takes them? 100%. At 100%. Um, just because you have this game and you still have App State on to look forward to yeah, every game, uh, especially in this Sunday, uh that – 
Levi is going to be the start and the finish of the game just because a lot of teams know that we can run the football, we can play bully ball, but what happens when we go up against those defensive linemen who can play bully ball with us also? We're going to need Levi to be crucial on third downs, on in short yardage situation, and in the red zone when all the lanes are bottled up. Use your feet, Levi. You got some quick, smooth feet. Sometimes, you know, I'd be screaming at the television on the field like, run, 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 run. So I just need Levi sometimes to feel that pressure and escape. Or if it's it's short yard situation, you know, uh, run for the first down and slide. Get down. But I think he's going to make the right decisions come tomorrow. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Yes, uh, good morning. Real quick. uh, So I thought I'd scroll what was – the story that you guys were talking about in reference to, um, I think it's Odell Beckham. Um, I saw the scroll yesterday. So he was suspended by LSU or not or suspended? Not, LSU yeah, yeah. LSU. He he can't he can't be around the program for two years, right? Like like now, it's now, it's something that you would do to a booster, right? Self-imposed. It's something a school might do to a booster. He just happens to also be a very notable uh, alum of the program or, you know, former player. Now, here are a couple of of common-sense points, common-sense questions. Um, How many of those players that he did hand the money to ended up in the back up at LSU, they ended up not going into the pros. I don't. I, I don't know. All it says five. I, there's only two on the video. One of them was Justin Jefferson. The other, I forget the young man's name, was uh, was not an upperclassman. He did return and he gave all the money back. I'm, you're asking me to go back to stuff I read last January, well, no, but but yes, I mean they they didn't they didn't all go pro. Some of them did return to school. Okay, at least one that you know of. Now, it's a given. Now, again, common sense that boosters funnel money to family, to family, to players, friends, whomever. And so LSU decides to ban Beckham, but they'll just overlook all these boosters who are funding, funneling money to these players, and they know what's going on, but they say, we don't know what's going on. Well, there was another one that, you know, a guy that I think Norman and I are referencing that was indicted, so I guess you don't have to. Uh, ban him since he'll he kind of banned himself. Uh, the guy that was involved He's probably in end up in jail. Hospital scandal. But look, look. <laughs> the, the, the reality is the 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 Odell thing is because it was just on video. I mean, it's like when the entire world sees it, video changes everything. There's literally a reporter for I think it's WAFB nine in Baton Rouge with a microphone. Like shooting a news camera live, <laughs> so tell just right there and just is handing him bills, you know, that he claimed was fake money. Uh, I think I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, video video can change everything, and uh, if that doesn't happen, you know, there it's it's LSU just trying to make a statement, like they, you know, like this is this is how serious we take this whole thing. When in reality, they're just they're just trying to please. Uh, the NCAA and and put out a perception that, you know, this is, this is what we, we truly care about at the end of the day. When in reality, it's more just about playing to the public and, and responding to a very public video from last January. You still there, sir? Hello. Yeah. I see the line lit up. I'm not hearing him. All right. It's all it's yeah, all about but, the video, Norm. I mean, you were you were yeah, there. No, you 100%. saw stuff going on, but like you said, you, there were there were things that weren't on video that you're like, yeah, I'm not gonna be talking about that. 
yeah, they got a lot of things that happened that day uh, after the game on that field that if it wasn't on video, hey, you know, it's his word versus <laughs> versus my word. So uh, self-imposed sanctions is better than the NCAA coming and figure out how much money Odell really gave out because, I mean, $100 bills is pretty crisp. I don't know how they was able to count them, 20 of them. I don't know. You just take a wad of 100, a bunch of $100 bills. I don't know if you can physically count them like that so two thousand dollars seems a little low I, <laughs> come on man you know if, if, if 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 you were on the field or or me members of the media and some of those are just you know being dropped or thrown or anything hey you know me pick it up hey okay yeah, yeah hey, mr well, Beckham, somebody you, dropped you some dropped, fake money yeah, you dropped you, drop, you money. dropped your fake money i guess you don't care if i keep this monopoly money right uh espn so, 1420.com uh all right <clears throat> When we come back, we're going to take a look at NFL Week 7. That's right. It starts tonight. The Eagles, now without Zach Ertz. You talk about your Cowboys and all their injuries, and yes, they are in first place in the NFC East. you got to admit, the team you don't like, the Philadelphia Eagles, have had quite a fair share of injuries as well. And yet, they're playing the Giants tonight, who, yeah, are coming off of a win and yet, of course, Philly's favored because it's the Giants. So we'll break it down. The game that starts off the week tonight, all of the games on the schedule, making picks and more. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott Show. I'm Scott. That's Norman Locke. It's ESPN 1420 and .com. Okay, Michael Thomas has been dealing with that high ankle sprain for over a month now. And now he also is dealing with a hamstring injury that I am told was suffered in practice. Now, Thomas historically has been a fast healer. They will see how he feels here over the next couple of days and whether he has any chance to play in that game on Sunday against Carolina. It is one more hurdle for one of the NFL's star receivers who suffered that high ankle sprain way back in week one. Seemed to be getting close, then punched teammate C.J. Gardner-Johnson in practice, got fined and deactivated for week five now comes back from the bye and has a hamstring injury as well. We already know that another star player not expected to play in that game, Christian McCaffrey, the running back for the Panthers, getting another week to deal with his high ankle sprain. That's Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network this morning reporting on Michael Thomas suffering a hamstring injury at yesterday's practice, Norman. And Thomas, who hadn't missed much time in his career this year, looks like he might be missing Another game Sunday, depending on this latest setback, we'll keep an eye on it. And today's practice report will be very telling. I think if he's limited, then there's a good chance he plays. If he is listed as DNP, did not participate, well, I'm not so sure you're going to be seeing him out there on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I don't know, you know, how y'all – I don't know how Saints fans are feeling, especially after this this setback with – uh, punching his teammate in the face. Some say un- unnamed sources say it was a sucker punch. Um, I-, I don't know. MT, you know, talked a lot of trash, and then uh, now it's just, I don't, I, is it karma? You know, is it one nagging injury to another? But I, I don't know. Is it karma? Big, you can't say that about an injury, man. Come on. That's not. That's not, No, I'm saying as a person, I mean, you come out, I'm, I'm speaking of the Gardner Johnson situation. Like you, 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 you punch your teammate while you're supposed to be trying to help your teammate come back from an injury. And then now you have a setback 
if he doesn't punch him and he plays in the game and goes without a hitch, maybe he doesn't have this setback. I, 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 I'm not going to go as far as say karma, um, but uh, it's it's definitely bad news from the Saints if you're looking at it that way. And if they don't have him Sunday, I mean, I get it. Christian McCaffrey's not playing for Carolina, but we talked last hour. Obviously, the Saints' offense is very, very different with Michael Thomas in there, and uh, they could really, really use him right now on the field. I was talking to Jeff Duncan yesterday. I felt like, look, the, I, I compare Michael Thomas to like Christian Bale. Like he's the, like a method actor <laughs> because he's supremely talented, right? He's an A-list talent, but his method acting is also it gets him into trouble like on the set. It's also why, you know, directors have had difficulty with him because what makes him great as an actor, it just carries over off the screen and it's and, and it gets him into trouble. I mean, what drives Thomas that that perpetual chip, that competitive nature, I think what makes him great also is what gets him into trouble and he gets carried away and he you know, I mean he he, he takes every little thing personal and he gets the best of him. And um and and now with this injury setback, you know, I I just felt like if he was going to play Sunday, maybe a hamstring injury is tricky, but if he was going to play Sunday and he was just still coming back from the ankle, I felt like he was set for a monster game because his his personality just feels like I'm going to be out to just prove so many things. When he has that, that's when he plays his best. Now, if you take that away, I mean, I'm I'm anxious to see what this injury report's going to look like this afternoon. But if he can't go Sunday, man, it's it's gonna. I just feel like the offense for the Saints is going to continue to be like just a grind, just just kind of pulling teeth. Like the only time they really got into a flow was that Detroit game for about three quarters. Outside of that, you know, they've put up some points. I get it, but if you watch the games, it's just not. It's 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 just it's a grind, man. It's like it's just a grind right now for this team offensively. Yeah, you know, y'all one. Uh, the Saints won by the skin of their teeth against the Chargers with the Chargers missing a field goal. Then, uh, you know, like you said, the offense, you have Traquan Smith one week is doing well. And then, he, you know, Drew Brees found this connection with Emmanuel Sanders. But then at times he, he looks stagnant with both receivers. So I, I 100% know without Michael Thomas coming back soon, I don't know if the Saints will be able to command the lead in the division with the Buccaneers playing well. And then Carolina's been playing well also. If this division starts coming down to those later half of the games, the Saints might start looking back at the beginning of the season like, I wish I could have had that one. We wish we would have won that one. We wish we would have won that one. Because it's going to get tough if Carolina is the the monkey wrench in this whole situation because nobody thought they'll be tied up in the division with, Tampa being the Saints right now, so well they're a half yeah. ga- they're a half game behind because they played they're a half game behind the Saints and a full game behind Tampa Bay because they they haven't had a bye yet. But if they beat the Saints this Sunday, suddenly the Saints fall to third in the division and Carolina's right in the mix. This is a now look October has, has been the Saints months. I mean you go back to week since week five of the 2016 season, they've lost one game in October. I mean that's. That this is the month they tend to really kind of get things going after some slow starts, but in previous years uh, or recent seasons, you haven't had the situation like you currently have with Michael Thomas. So, um, and you know, Breeze was a year younger last year, two years younger, two years ago. All these things you got to factor in. Um, but if you're going to pick uh, an early MVP for this game on Sunday, 
I think the safest pick would be Alvin Kamara. You'll probably go with someone from Carolina, <laughs> yeah. but I don't no, know who, who's. I mean, who's going to be the MVP of this game on Sunday? It's one hundred percent Alvin Kamara. I mean, right now he's in the top. I want to say top fifteen in receiving yards or top twenty in receiving yards at the running back position, which is amazing. Uh, to say that there's thirty two starting, there's sixty four starting receivers, and he's in the top twenty at running back, so that's amazing. And this, it, but on the flip side of it, that just shows the woes that the Saints have had at the receiver position. Because if your running back constantly has to be the leading receiver or the leading touchdown reception leader on your team, that means you you don't you don't have any downfield presence. And you don't have a go-to number one receiving threat, but obviously the Michael Thomas is out. So you know if I mean Carolina Sanders can, is coming off a monster game, though, right? I mean, yeah, one I mean, monster. He had, game. He, had, he, had, he had a dozen catches for a buck twenty-two. I mean that that's a sign of things potentially pointing in the right direction. He admittedly said, "Listen, Thomas was was asking me week one, like, where the hell are you going? This was during a play, right? He's like, Mike, look." I, You've been in this office for five years. I just got here. We didn't have a preseason. Like I'm, I'm still figuring things out. He admitted that, and he said at this point he feels a hell of a lot more comfortable than he did back, you know, in early to mid September. So we'll see what happens, man. I think the Saints are fortunate they're getting Carolina. Obviously, without Christian McCaffrey, that goes without being said. Um, and you know what I, you know what I've noticed about this Carolina Panthers without Christian McCaffrey though, the offense isn't so dependent on him. Everything isn't ran through Christian McCaffrey. It's not play action, RPOs, or run, 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 run Christian McCaffrey. It's it's a lot more balance. And then with the addition of Roby Anderson, the Panthers actually are starting to get vertical. So I'm I, that's the matchup that I am looking forward to see, Roby Anderson versus Marshawn Lattimore or Janoris Jenkins and the verticalness of the Carolinas offense which of the past two seasons just wasn't there. Well, I mean, I think, you know, having Bridgewater instead of um, whether it be a, a injured Cam Newton or some kind of backup, whether it was Kyle Allen or whoever, Kyle just Allen. put it, just, just throw a name on it. It's uh, it's just different. I mean, it's uh, the offense is, I mean, Teddy's been good, and now he comes back to New Orleans, and he's all class. He's going to say all the right things. He's going to smile and – Yet, you know, there's that part of him that's like, hey, man, I mean, I, I could have been your guy's quarterback for a long time. So he's going to look, he's going to have something to prove. He's going to have a chip, no doubt about it. ESPN 1420.com. All right, let's take a look at these games, Norm. Uh, by the way, the Saints are currently a seven and a half point favorite. I think that line is a little too big, in my that's opinion. That's a lot. That's I think a lot. It's a, well, they I probably think thought it's a little too that's big. That's pre Michael Thomas injury report. Yeah, also. we'll see how much it moves, especially if he, once he's officially ruled out. But, um, Let's start uh, with tonight's game, Philadelphia and the Giants. I know the Giants got a win. Granted, it was a one-point win against Washington. Um, Washington really lost that game, Scott. Did you did you watch the highlights? I, did, did I, I, didn't, I didn't watch any of that game. I why, they, why would I? Why would I? That's just I got I yeah, got better I things why. I can do with my life. I mean, it just, it just <laughs> like, seems like like a, watching paint dry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I could I could take a nap. I could play with my kids. I could work in the yard. I mean, that that just feels like time wasted, right? Well, so what happened was Washington scored on the last play of the game, or the last drive of the series. They scored, and instead of kicking a field goal to tie the game and go into overtime, they went for two, 
and didn't didn't complete the two-point conversion and lost the game. So it, it really felt like the Washington for the lost that game on purpose. Going yeah, the they win. went for the win. <laughs> <laughs> Man, two-point conversions were not kind to Washington or Houston. All right, so you've got the Giants, and then you've got Philly, who is sitting there at uh, with one win, and yet right now them and the Cowboys are the betting favorite to win the NFC East, which is they're about to play their seventh game of the season. They have one win. And it's either them or Dallas who's going to win the division. That is that is a a rough rough division. So Philly hey, and New man, York what tonight. Are we, what if we, we riddle off a couple wins? Either team. What if they riddle off like six wins in a row? That's you, come on. You know that's not going to. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I, said, I said what if? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, what if Philly wins tonight? Despite all the injuries, uh, it's a short week. They're at home. I'm going to take the Eagles to uh, to beat the Giants. I'm I'm gonna take the Giants. Uh, I just think the Eagles. They every game is a grind. They 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 do have injuries, but Carson Wentz has been playing bad. If to say the Cowboys have been dealing with injuries pre Dak Prescott getting hurt, and we still was competitive in most of the games, still losing at the end or garbage time, whatever anybody wants to see. The Eagles and Carson Wentz have not played well. The, t- the full game, they tied with the Bengals, and the Bengals have – I don't know who has the worst offensive line, the Eagles, the Bengals, or the Cowboys. But of all three of us, they tied with the Bengals. And I'm pretty sure the Dallas Cowboys wouldn't have tied with the Bengals. So I- I'm going to pick the Giants. I think the Giants are going to riddle off this win. Jason Garrett, Mr. Clap, soft clap hands, Mr. is going to win. Mr. Mr. Clap. Soft Clap. All right, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so you got the Giants. All right, he's got he's got, got, the, got Giants. the Giants. All right, all right. Uh, let's. I'm not going to clap back at that. The uh, the Falcons uh, get rid of Dan Quinn and their GM and uh, Raheem Morris actually had their defense playing last week. A lot of times you'll see it, Norm. Right, a team fires a, co- a coach, and that next week they play you know, they play better. Right, we saw it with Houston in the first game with Romeo Cornell as the interim this year. You saw it last week at Atlanta. They 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 put it on the Vikings. They did. Now they get another team that isn't great either, and that's Detroit. Is Atlanta about to win two in a row? Who's your pick, Lions or Falcons? I'm going with the Lions. I can't roll with the Falcons twice in a row. I, I jinx myself. I end up probably stubbing a toe or, like, scraping my knee or hitting my pinky on, like, the bottom of the bed. I will not pick the Falcons twice. So I'm going with the Detroit Lions. You know how much I hate the Falcons, and uh, their their misery is like their their any their tears are like performance enhancing drugs for me. Uh, <laughs> but <PDs. laughs> uh, but I, I actually think they're going to win Sunday. I, don't, I hate to admit it. All right, uh, Cleveland, the Browns, big moment for them last week, and their big brother just basically just slapped them. They be slapped them, man. They're like, oh oh, you guys think you're good? How about this? Whap whap. Now, one thing Cleveland's done this year is they've beaten, um, you know, bad football teams. Uh, the Bengals still trying to find their way, um, have lost some heartbreakers, but they're, you know, they're one four and one, and they blew a lead last week. They're at home. It's the Browns. Who you got? I'm gonna have to go with the Browns. I think the Browns. Well, is Kareem Hunt? Did they did they say if Kareem Hunt's going to play or not? Well, that that's that's TV that's TBD, I believe. 
Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna put an asterisk. If Kareem Hunt plays, the Browns are a very good offense when they are, are a run first offense. When the Nick Chubbs healthy and they're running the rock with Nick Chubbs, and you, you take out Nick Chubbs and then you hit him with Kareem Hunt and then you hit him with a play action to Jarvis. You create him. You have Odell Beckham throwing forty yard bomb touchdowns. The offense goes by the run. Baker Mayfield, even against my Cowboys, he uh, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry beat me, beat the Cowboys. So I can't say that Baker has to be the leader in this game. It has to be Kareem Hunt. If Kareem Hunt doesn't play, the Browns have no chance. Uh, he is. Uh, he was limited in practice yesterday, as was Mayfield. I uh, I'm going to take the Bengals in this one. I mean, it's. Bro, it's just it's the yeah. Browns. If they if if Kareem Hunt doesn't Browns. play, I'm going with Joe Burrow. All right. Well, today you got to make a pick. So I think Kareem's going to play. Wow. The fact that he practiced yesterday, so you're 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 get you you've got the Browns. You're stuck with them. That's just how it's going to be. All right. Yeah. Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Now this this is interesting. Tennessee. That's the game of the week. Tennessee gets by last week at a game that Houston helped. They helped them out. Now. To the ten, to Tennessee's credit, they took advantage. This is a team I didn't think would would be as uh, as good as the hype has been around them at all. But they're five and zero. Ryan Tannehill has played very well. I did not think he'd be good about this team. I think Tannehill's success is also a reminder of just how bad Adam Gase is, and it's amazing to me that he's still a head coach. It's crazy. You know, kudos to him to be that bad at his job, but convince two you know franchises to pay him millions of dollars to uh, to do his job poorly. Uh, anyway, I digress. We're going to talk about millions the Titans. Of dollars to... <laughs> talking about the Titans. Millions of dollars. <laughs> they're playing. Uh, they're playing Pittsburgh. They're hosting Pittsburgh. I think the bubble burst this week. I. I look. Two undefeated teams. I'm big on the Steelers. They were. They were a team I thought would be uh, a contender this year, an AFC Championship type of team. I did pick the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, but I felt like Pittsburgh was one of those few contenders in the uh, in the AFC. I still feel that way. I'm taking the Steelers in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers in this one. Uh, Steelers defense is real. I've been telling people the Steelers defense is real all season, and I'm gonna continue to tell people that the Steelers defense is real. I think this is probably like the less the least amount of pressure on the offense that Big Ben has have to have to deal with. You don't have the big personality of Antonio Brown there anymore. You don't have Le'Veon Bell personality there anymore in the locker room. I think Big Ben is just coasting. He's he's playing free. You know, he's one of the older quarterbacks that in the in the in the headlines we don't hear about his arm deteriorating or. Him moving any slower or losing a step. No, no, he'll let us know. He'll 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 make sure he lets us know. And he's like Brett Favre. Oh man, this this. like early in that game last week, he threw one bad pass, and then afterwards, he just kept looking at his hand, like after the play, like just (laughs) just to put it in everyone's mind, so that if it turned out to be a bad day, he could be like, yeah, I mean, it's you know, I didn't I didn't play well today, dealing with this injury, it's on me. But this man, my hand really hurts. Or if they win, it's like. You know, man, it's it's killing me here, but uh, but we got the dub. That's all that matters. I mean, he's he's that's that's big Ben for you. Uh, we've already broken down this game, so we'll just make a pick. Saints Panthers. I think it's October. I'm taking the Saints, but I I think it's going to be a grind. I think it's going to be a close win, and I think Saints fans aren't going to be feeling great about their chances to um, compete for a Super Bowl. But I also think they'll be four and two. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and take the Saints. Uh... I picked the Saints last week, and I almost, I mean, not cool. pre-bye week, and they almost came back to bite me in the butt. But I'm going to pick the Saints again, even though I'm in Carolina, and these Carolina fans, if they're listening, 
Meanwhile, I'm talking, they might, you know, jump me. <laughs> All right, the Jets and the Bills. No way I'm taking the Jets. Bills need this. They're, uh, they've lost the last two after looking great to start. But the perfect elixir for uh, stopping a losing streak is Adam Gase in the net. So uh, this is an easy one. It's the Bills all day. Yeah, I wish I could get paid to just sell off all our best players and run everybody away. Like, Scott, how, how can can I get paid to make Greg leave? <laughs> can I get paid to ditch? It, you know, you know, you know what the here? thing is about Adam Gase? Like, if you, if you connect yourself to something that's, like, ultra successful, like, the reason Adam Gase even got the job in Miami is because he was the offensive coordinator in Denver when Peyton Manning just went on, when he was just unbelievable. Like, he just, he threw all these touchdowns, he sets all these records, and it's, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, that's that's Peyton, but Adam, you know, he, he, he ended up getting some of the credit for that. He parlayed it into a job with Miami where he was not good, and then for some reason the Jets decided to hire him, which didn't make sense, but it's the Jets. They just, they make dumb moves all the time. And, and Gase has made just Millions of dollars from Peyton Manning, basically off of Peyton Manning. I mean that that's that's what off he's of, done so far. Off of like a one and a half season of Peyton Manning, because Brock Osweiler had to come in and well, come was, take him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but but Peyton also the the few years prior to that was unbelievable. He was there. There was a three year run by Peyton and Denver where the numbers were just sick. And then the last year they weren't sick, but they won the Super Bowl, so that that definitely helps. Um, all right, so Washington, I'm going with the Bills. All right, Washington and 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 the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. this I really is, don't. This <laughs> this is the uh, this is the toilet game of the week. That's this is the this is this is just bad. Watching that Dallas uh, defense Monday night. Watching Andy Dalton, who is about as mobile as Jay Walker, trying to do you know just just <laughs> just bad man. I mean, you need Dalton behind an <laughs> offensive like line. <laughs> you need Dalton behind an offensive line where he has time, and if you don't, I mean, you could just forget about it. This is this is going to be a bad football game. I I really I'm not even lying. I came into I came in this morning. I'm like, I think Dallas is going to win, and 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 yet now I'm just I don't now I'm just not so sure, man. This is ugh. I think it's a picket on a lot of the boards. Some boards have Dallas minus one. Um, the 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 ESPN football power index little computer model that you punch all the numbers into a system have the has the Washington football team as a slight favorite at like fifty eight percent to forty two, man I don't I don't I, you you look you follow the Cowboys Norm tell me tell me where to go. give me your objective opinion of where I should go with this one and I will I will well, um, I will listen I will not troll I will actually listen. My my unnamed sources have told me that the Cowboys locker room have handled things internally and that they are fired up <laughs> and that they're going to come <laughs> and that they're going to come out okay. swinging and the best opponent to come out swinging against is the Jets is one that's already down. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the Cowboys are going to win this one. And it's gonna, you know, you, how can I, how can I say, you know how like on home in college football, well, high school football, you play like Boshan for homecoming, you know, you're gonna get a win. Oh, Ian's like, gonna I be upset, like man. Don't be, don't be talking about the Gators. <laughs> they got a good team this year. The coach that went over there is doing a great job this year, but 
Uh, but no, I, I know, right. I know the analogy you're going for. Uh, if yeah, referencing you, you past years, a, all right. So you're taking the Cowboys. All right, fine, fine. I'll take, I'll take Dallas. Um, Houston and Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who you know had the internet just lauding over. Oh, he's so great! What a great celebration! Yeah, well, he still did it seven years ago, and they did it better, and they drew a flag in true Key and Peel fashion, but. After the pump, which turned out to not be a touchdown, and then they went and did it again, they they, they, they they got rolled after that. They got absolutely rolled by Tampa Bay. But guess what? They're playing at Houston. Sheesh. Uh, I think with that secondary, I think Aaron – see, what Green Bay has coming up for them, even, even after a bad performance, I mean, they're playing Houston, the Vikings, then the Niners who aren't – they're not as good as, as many thought this year. Then they're playing the Jags. Uh, then the Colts, I mean, the bear, like Aaron Rodgers is about to just, I, not that I want him to, but he's about to just go on a tear here and they're going to, they're going to annihilate the Texans this week. Yeah, they're going to annihilate the Texans. The Texans don't have the firepower offense to keep up. Uh, you know, they like playing from behind. Um, uh, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. Randall Cobb gets to play his former team. I guess he might have a little mini chip on his shoulder, but I don't see the Texans faring well against this Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I, he's on a Pat McAfee show every Tuesday, and I, I, I tuned in this Tuesday, and I, he didn't seem humbled by the loss, and that's what I was looking for. So if Aaron Rodgers is still feeling good and still happy and still, you know, percolating, I think that the Texans might catch a byproduct of a pissed off guy. Humble Aaron Rodgers is an oxymoron. It just doesn't. It's not. Doesn't go together. Seattle. No, Seattle's undefeated. They're at Arizona. The Cards still looking for that signature win, uh, and, and this Ooh. could be it if they get it. They don't have a signature win yet. Um, Seattle just they, all of their games are crazy. I think this thing goes down to the wire, but the Seahawks win it because that's just all the games they play in. Yeah, Russell Wilson. If you man, like at first I thought I only feared Tom Brady and Drew Brees with two minutes left on the clock. Now Russell Wilson is added to that list to fear with two minutes left on the clock. So please do not give Russell Wilson any time left on the clock. Anybody, any NFL team, do not give Russell Wilson time on the clock because he's going to walk down the field and he's going to win. And just like you said, I think that's how this game's going to end because Arizona has the firepower. Now, Chandler Jones, if he plays, he will be a difference maker on the defensive side for the Arizona Cardinals. But with Patrick Peterson able to lock up against DK Metcalf, uh, you got Tyler Lockett. It's going to be a battle, but I think Seattle gets the ball last, and Russell Wilson walks down the field and scores. All right, well, you got five games left and uh, two minutes to get him in. Uh, Denver coming off of a win over the Patriots, all field goals for him, eighteen points. <laughs> um, they're they're playing Kansas City. The Chiefs. Uh, we're both taking the Chiefs. We don't need to break it down. Patriots Niners. In Foxborough, do the Pats bounce back after that dreadful performance last week? I think they do, and yet the Niners were the team that bounced back last week. They looked a lot better than they did the previous week in a loss to Philly. So, I don't know. Are we going to see the good or bad Niners, the good or bad Patriots? They've kind of shown both sides of the coin this year. Both teams have. I guess I trust the Pats a little bit more, Uh, and they'll, of course, do whatever they need to do, anything to get an edge, um, you know. I'm, I'm going with the 49ers. I think that defense is going to translate. Uh, Cam Newton and that offense, it's, it gets stagnant, and if they get behind, they, they won't be able to 
to score points in a bunch. So I'm going with the 49ers and, and Kittle. All right, I'll take the Pats. Jacksonville at L.A. against the Chargers, uh, two teams collectively with uh, two wins. But uh, a Chargers team that has had some, you know, heartbreaking close losses in typical Chargers fashion that's coming off of a bye. A Jags team that got a, a win week one, and we were all like, huh? Like, okay, yeah. And then from then they've just lost five in a row, and now at times they almost look like they're tanking. I mean, they lost to the to the Lions last week by, uh, you know, 18 points. Um, I'm I'm taking the Chargers. They're a heavy favorite here. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers. Ever since Greg told me to start Gardner Minshew on my fantasy team, it hasn't panned out well, so I will not listen to that advice anymore. Sunday night football, the Raiders. I shouldn't do that. It hurts my throat. The Raiders. <laughs> um, the Raiders and the uh, the Buccaneers coming off of a uh, an impressive win. The Raiders coming off of an impressive win. I mean, they went on the road and won at Kansas City last week. Uh, the Bucks are a three and a half point road favorite. I, I this is going to be a close game, man. Um, I, I think yeesh, a lot. Everyone, most people are picking Tampa Bay. I get it. I'm taking the Raiders in this one, man. I I think when the, when they're clicking, they're really good. The problem is they can't get down by a bunch. If they get down by a bunch, Derek Carr is gonna gonna he's just not gonna get them out of this game. But the loss of Vita Vea, that's the big one right there. That's the big one. And I think Vegas's ability to uh, really effectively run, Tampa Bay is about as good as it gets against the run. But they lost a just, I think, their best run stopper. Um, look, do, do they have good – yes, and Dominican Sue is good, and Raheem Nunez Rochez is good. But Vita Vea, man, that dude is an absolute beast in there. Um I don't know. Now, now I'm kind of leaning toward Tampa Bay. I'm waffling here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the underdog. I'm gonna take the Raiders in an upset win. I'm not taking the Raiders. Uh, you never know with Jackal and Hyde of Derek Carr what you're gonna get on which day, and I don't know what I'm gonna get on this day. So I'm going with Tom Brady, the Buccaneers, that defense, that running game. Leonard Fournette's going to be back. Chris Goodwin's supposed to be back. Mike Evans supposed to be back. I think they're running on all cylinders. All right. Lastly, Monday Night Football: Rams Bears. The Bears are five and one. Um, the 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 best average team in football. I think we can say that. Uh, and the Rams are they're 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 coming off of that loss to San Francisco. Saints fans might not want to hear it, but they're kind of like the Saints in that like there's they're they're talented. They're good but there's some missing ingredient that just it's like it's not it's not all coming together the way it should right now but they're good they're talented but i this this game right here i think it might be the harder one to pick this week now the rams are a heavy favorite a heavy favorite but i wouldn't i wouldn't count out nick Foles. i wouldn't count out big nick and the bears just like that akeem hicks is an absolute beast i think minus six for the rams is way too much Having said that, I'm taking the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the Rams, too. I, I'm still not a believer in the Bears, uh, even though they got Nick Folds, and Nick Folds said he's listening to Meek Mill in the locker room, and that's what pumped him up and gave him vibes from Philly. That's the funniest thing is, like he said, oh, I, I had to listen to Meek Mill to turn it on. He needed it. He Philly has vibe. to. He has to have that Philly because the only time he plays good is when he's got some Philly in him. You know, yeah, but like <laughs> if you're doing that, you saying that at a prep at a Bears post game press conference, you can like, say whatever you want that. after you beat the Patriots, or excuse me, after you beat Tom Brady uh, for the second time in your career, you could say whatever you want if you're Big Nick, I think, and get away with it. 
So I'm going with the Rams. Aaron Donald is, you know, non-quarterback. That's my MVP favorite. Dude is, ever since he got in the league, Scott, like he's been a terror. So I'm going with the Rams. All right, that is our picks for NFL Week 7. Big thanks to Andrew Lopez, who joined us in the 7 o'clock hour to break down the Stan Van Gundy hire. And, of course, every Thursday morning, big thanks to my man Norman Locke, host of the morning lock-in Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Talk Cajuns, talk Tigers, talk Saints, talk Cowboys, talk World Series, talked about the Stan Van Gundy hire, talked NFL. We covered it all this morning. Norm, I appreciate it, man. Stay safe out there in Carolina, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you next week, all right? Yes, sir. Enjoy your day, Scott. All right. That is it for the great Scott.